Yo! This is The Dose, and I'm your host, Mike Schwartz. I created this show to bring you, the creatives, the best of the best in fitness, fuel, and creativity to help elevate your game and max your performance. Now, on today's show, I've got guest Mark England, co-founder of both Enlifted and Vocabulary. This guy is no stranger to me. We have been buds for a few years now, and the guy's an absolute wordsmith. So we're going to talk about how language really can change the game, make or break your performance, and all everything else in between. All right? So without further ado, my friends, my family, here is Mr. Mark England. Mark England, my man, how are you? Welcome to The Dose, my friend. I'm doing well. How are you, sir? Not too bad. It's, uh, it's hotter than Hades on the other side of the planet. I'm living a day ahead of you, but um, can't complain. Could complain. Nobody would listen, right? <laughs> no one you would want to listen. Exactly. That's the thing about complaining. We get all kinds of friends that are questionable. Exactly. You know who you don't want to be around, right? Yeah. Acknowledged. <laughs> they want to be around you. They want to be around you because they can tell you those woe is me stories and you just understand. Uh, so yeah. that we'll just call each other friends and we'll hang out and we'll spend time together and we'll tell each other the same kind of stories about how things just never seem to work out. What could go wrong? Sounds like paradise. <laughs> oh, in all actuality, man, I cannot complain. It's the holidays here, and that's really throwing me off, right? I'm a Calgary boy. Like, represent flames right here. I, it, yeah. I am known for the cold. They call me the snowman down here, which is kind of weird because I'm, I feel like I should start rapping in forma. <laughs> like, I don't know. Okay. Um, but, yeah, the, there's carols in the middle of the street, and it's 43 degrees Celsius. That's 105 or so Fahrenheit. Yeah, it's – absolutely that's just weird hotter than hades i know i can't really wrap my head around it i i get it but it's it's a cool experience down here so you definitely got to get down i'm i'm in uh i'm in melbourne right just in a little suburb in fitzroy so real smoking hot but just great weather so and you are where are you at these days you're kind of a nomad from what i understand but uh where are you Uh, yes I am currently in a hotel room in Hakumba Hot Springs. Uh, that is an hour and 20 minutes due east of San Diego. I could walk out of my door and throw a rock and hit Mexico. Oh, no. It's in the desert. Oh, yeah. And it's cold in the desert in the, in the, in the winter, yeah. as in uh, ice frozen over cold in the morning when you wake up. Um, yeah, it's beautiful, man. I, 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 I have I've done a little bit of of winter desert exploration coming from Virginia that's new topography and 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 uh and weather for me. I really like it, man. I get it. I get it why people get a house out here in the middle of nowhere. It's it's a different kind of quiet. Yeah. Definitely, right? More of that uh almost a deafening kind of quiet. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's a good way to say it. Yeah, I I love that bit about my hometown in Calgary because it's big open skies. Think like equivalent of Texas, right? Big open skies, blue skies. And at night, the sound of the snow, if that makes any sense, just mm-hmm. it's absolutely definite. I really do miss that stuff. Um, paradise is great, but having that contrast of like minus 40 to plus 40, crazy cool. So I, I appreciate that. That's cool. All right. Um, and what are you doing out there? You mentioned the hot springs. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm bobbing around in some hot springs. They've got a hot springs here. It's um, Hakumba at one point in time was the spot. It was Palm Springs before Palm Springs was Palm Springs for Hollywood. And they did filming out here. There was a hotel right across the street um, that uh, Clark Gable used to stay at. And once upon a time, they changed, they, they put an interstate in a couple miles north and it just sucked all the traffic out of this place. And so it degenerated. It's a ghost town now, dude. It's very interesting. It's a desert ghost town out just like you think of in uh, your imagination. There are, there are um, uh, abandoned houses with the doors and the windows off or buildings probably six across the street and then there's smatterings of them all over some people do live here there's two there's only two uh stores that are open one is this hotel which um uh people come here for one of two reasons one for hot springs or two for the bar and so and they're they're connected The, the only thing that separates them is a door so the 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 whirlpool is about three times the size, four times the size of a regular of, of a six person jacuzzi. When you think about it, you can get fourteen people in there, and it's um, it, 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 the water composition is special. There are three spa uh, or hot springs on the planet with this particular water composition of magnesium, high magnesium, high sulfur. It smells like rotten eggs. You you feel like you've taken a Valium when you hang out in there for an hour. Mm-hmm. On the other side of that door are some professional pro gold medal level drunkards desert rat drunkards just olympia Olympia. yeah 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 they're going for it they're training they're training they're in training and they're going for the win yeah um absolutely i mean they're they're cool they're nice but i mean they're you know when 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 someone's at it at 8 30 in the morning yeah that's special it's it's a new type of breed it's really I, I've seen that before, and as you can imagine, in the industry I work in, right? It's, sure. Uh, music business is—it's almost glorified. It's almost weird if you're not doing that, and that's—I mean—that's kind of what we're trying to change here. And that lifestyle, how? Just random shot. How long do you think that those uh, those Olympians can train like that? Um, is that a lifetime goal? Is that a thing that they've? Well, they, you know, um, what, what part that? of them? What 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 part of them? Right. can train like that because um uh the 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 real swingers don't have any teeth okay. so their teeth their, their they their teeth didn't last all that long the rest of them you know they're still in the game they yeah. still have parts of them in the game yeah. um yeah and uh i'm out here for 7 days mm-hmm. and i'm out here boots on the ground because um and, and and let me just say this: everybody I've met out here has been really nice. You know, they're just they're into what they're into. Cool. We have rented the whole place out for New Year's Eve. Every room. Wow. Myself and Mike Bledsoe and uh, fifty between fifty and fifty-five. Um, a lot of San Degans, a lot of people from San Diego and L.A. and a little some some NorCal people. We got one guy flying in from Virginia. One guy flying in from, from Texas. Uh, anyway, people are coming in for this. We got the whole thing, and I'm here um, to enjoy the hot springs and make sure that everything is ready for us. 
Killer, man. Sounds like a yeah, yeah, yeah. We're have awesome. fun. We're cool. We're gonna have fun. Well, with uh, with regards to that, I mean, so much of it, uh, and and this show, the audience. I mean, generally, when when we're speaking in, in this podcast, being the dose, I'm I'm the rock doctor. We're gonna run with that, right? So let's do it. Yeah, and I, I'm just thinking, like, large part of this being North America. I'm now in in Australia. What I've really seen is a total disconnect on pop culture from outside of Hollywood, right? There's some really, I know we got into this the last time you were on my show um, with the different kind of music and stuff you're listening to. So in these types of situations, are you listening to anything? Are you into the podcast? Are you into any bands right now? What kind of stuff have you got going on on the Spotify thing? Joe Rogan annoys me. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Because I need a second me to keep up. No kidding. Right. He's yeah. He's at he's at over fourteen hundred shows right now, and each one's two hours plus. Um, and I've been out here, uh, in my spare time, catching up on some Joe Rogan podcasts. Yeah. So, um, I'm in the middle of Max Holloway, who just lost his 145 pound UFC title. Uh, finished up the a guy that wrote a book about. Um, the Comanche, I forget his name. Um, after that, uh, and then, then Paul Stamets, the mushroom guru, yeah, man, yeah. the medicinal mushroom guru. The, and, and, and he can definitely talk about uh, psychedelic mushrooms as well. Finish that up. I was, I've, been, I've, been, I've been on a bender with Joe Rogan. Um, uh, a kettlebell guy is next. And then Malcolm Gladwell is after that. I just finished listening to on audiobook talking to strangers his new book I recommend yeah. that. Okay. Yeah, it's really cool. Um so not that much music um and when I do listen to music it's uh you know I'm, I I spent spent a decent amount of time in Virginia this year mm-hmm. and I, I I like I like I like my country music man. Yeah, I know. I know. Yeah. Yeah, I'm bringing that. We've got a couple of folks I'm uh, at work right now that are like they just they lean in, you know, and when I start talking about music, I'm the resident DJ. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, at work on the fitness floor here at Virgin Active, um, we just got guys that are like, as long as you do, don't let it go into autoplay, just keep on DJing. So I basically, I'm curating playlists all day if I'm not training people. So that's cool. That. The tough part is like, even if I've got my Spotify list, I'm trying to like sync it with the venue and half the stuff doesn't show up because it's all like Canada, US, like you know, legit music uh, artists. So it's, I got to find a way, I got to tap into that to get some of the stuff uh, recognized in Australia here. So it's good, good tunes, man. Yeah. Virginia, I can see the, uh, that American dream, man. A lot of country stories. That's what it's all about. Speaking of stories, right? Speaking of stories. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, three of our pillars, before we get into how you became the language guy, um, three of the pillars that I've found to be kind of the support system, the actual overall foundation of success, whether we're talking about personal, we're talking about professional uh, relationships as well, is having an idea of uh, fitness, fuel, and also creativity. Now, what, uh, I mean, off before the show started here, we were kind of talking about uh, your recent uh, nutrition ventures. Could you give an example of what you're doing for, for taking care of yourself with fitness, fuel, or creativity, or all three? Sure. We'll start with fitness, then we'll go to fuel, then we'll go to creativity. Okay. So, what day am I on? 
it is the is okay. Uh, so I shook hands with one of the premier kettlebell trainers in the uh, uh, in North America. A guy by the name of Mike Salemi. Wow. Cool guy. He's one of our he's one of our coaches. He got certified through and lifted for story work. And um and I, I knew him beforehand. And uh the guy was a gymnast and then got into kettlebell work and um competed at kettlebell uh uh in, in competitions, man. That's it's no joke, you know. And I had done a kettlebell certification at on it. One of my friends has a kettlebell Jim in Richmond, uh, shout out to Will Parker, uh, Geary Garage, and um, I'm just looking at this, and I've always liked the kettlebell. There's just something about it. Oh, yeah. The fact and and the fact that it was a unit of measurement for hay back in Russia, and then some dudes are like, "I can swing that around more times than you can." Another <laughs> guy goes, "I can swing." No, you can't. I can I can swing that heavier one swinger than I can swing it harder than you. And then, then you know how guys are. And then now we have kettlebells. Okay. Yeah. That's really where that comes from. Absolutely. And, uh, uh, I said, okay, Mike, uh, I commit, I, I, we were on the phone. I shake hands virtually with you on picking up a kettlebell every day for a year. If I pick it up and put it down box checked, if I pick it up and swing it for three hours, box checked. And I'm on day, I started August 15th and the streak's alive, man. There's been about, there's been a, there's been maybe 20, no, let's say 12, 12 times where I've picked the kettlebell. This morning was one of them, picked up the kettlebell, just put it right down. I've walked, I've gone to gyms. I've signed into gyms to walk in, pick up a kettlebell in street clothes and turn around and walk out. I did get some looks and they're so portable, man. I, I drive a lot when I'm in, when I'm back in Virginia, I drive around and, and, um, dude, it's so easy just to have a kettlebell with you. you two kettlebells. Wonderful. I'm, I'm in the middle of, uh, on it sixes online kettlebell six week training. That's very cool. I'm going to do Mike Salemi's online kettlebell training after that. That's really cool. And is there, I mean, it's, it's baked in, man. I will, uh, unless some unforeseen things happen, I will, I will complete that 365 day challenge for my fuel. I am also out here at Hakumba hot Springs doing a five day fasting mimicking diet called Prolon P R O L O N. I have no affiliate affiliation with these people. A friend of mine who has a uh, a traumatic brain injury and PTSD clinic in San Diego. A uh, cool guy, man. I was just on the, was texting him. 64 year old dude, former Navy SEAL, uh, has that clinic, helps a lot of veterans. And he recommended this, this, this fasting diet. So they start, you, you get a, bo- you order a box, it's 250 bucks. They send it to you. Five small boxes in it. Each one has some soups, some crackers, olives, if you're lucky. And they start you at 1,500 calories. Day one's 15. Day two is 1,100 calories. Day three, four, five, 800 calories. I'm on day four. So I'm out here working, checking in with the hotel, bobbing around in the hot springs, and um, uh, doing, this, doing this fasting mimicking diet. And as far as creativity is concerned, yeah, um, 
learning to be a better and better and better teacher is one of my avenues of expression for creativity. Okay. I like setting up, um, uh, I like being obligated to things. It was just like this call, you know, I have to, uh, it, I dedicate 10 to 15% of my mental real estate to contemplating how I can describe something at something as vast and, uh, strange and, uh, pervasive and influential and seductive as the words we use on a daily basis in simple terms. And, um, yeah, I enjoy that. I, 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 I really enjoy that. I'm glad I enjoy that because that's my full time job. <laughs> if if Mike Blitz, if you ask Mike Bledsoe, yeah. it's my only job. He called me a one trick pony once. I heard that actually the first. Yeah, time. and I got I like that. I really yeah. like that. I'm like cool. That's all I want to do. I don't yeah. just, just, the one trick, and my trick is talking about how our words and our stories influence us and the people that we come in contact with. That's it. Everything else is details. That's an excellent segue into how did you actually get into this stuff? I mean, that seems like such an overwhelming topic and one that we don't, we don't even really think about how, because it's so regular. The way that we speak is something that we do every single day and it can come from the roots of our childhood and, and these uh, I call them the stories that we've kind of generated for ourselves. A lot of the the coaching and that, inherited, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. And it's it's passed down like a generational thing, right? And how sure. your mom and dad talk in the house when you're growing up, you just adopt that. And until you really check yourself, um, I find that uh, you can go on. Uh, uh, it's almost like driftwood, you know, sleepwalking down the streets, mm-hmm. where you're just totally out of tune with that. So can you describe to the audience how you became the language guy? I can happy to, I was a championship kickboxer in or champion kickboxer in, in college and I wanted to go pro. So I moved over to Thailand. The plan was go over there for a year and polish up my skills and then, uh, and then come on back and, and get on the pro circuit. That didn't happen. Six months in, I'm on the operating table getting my second knee surgery. Doctor says, sorry, homeboy, it's over. And I believed him. And uh, uh, you know, I was in for, for a variety of reasons. And he was right. I was done. And darkness descended. Martial arts and fighting was, it was it was my identity. I made sure everybody knew about it. I needed them to know about it. It was my band-aid for my fears and insecurities that I thought that I had dealt with in the ring, you know, proven myself uh, uh, worthy. And I was, I was very, I was wrong about that too. Um, when I, when I, when I stopped training and it happened rather quickly, uh, all those things, all those stories, all those demons that I thought I had slayed came back to say hello. Mm-hmm. 
And this time it was even worse. And after a year of repping a victim mentality about what happened to me, the unfairness of it, and the, the terror that this is confirmation that there is, there is absolutely something wrong with me. I am a born loser. I'm doomed to fail. Here's the proof. You went for the you went you went for it and fell on your face. After a year of that kind of story, that starts to show that talk about people's face, you know, that starts to show up. That starts to show up on people's faces, mine included. And one of the ways it showed up was in an inability to enjoy the moment. I didn't laugh for a whole year, man. I don't recommend that at all. It's a dark place. And one, and and I was over there with my girlfriend from college, uh, best looking girl in school, super great personality too, fun, adventurous, funny, and and so I'm over there hobbling along with a limp, just had my knee sawed in half, and um, she wants to take salsa dancing lessons. And I'm like, okay, go for it. I'm not. I can barely walk without a limp. I got a gangster lean going on over here, and I'm no gangster. So she would go, she would go practice a couple times a week, and then we would go to a, a salsa club in Bangkok. I was still living in Bangkok. I ended up living over there for 10 years. It, it, uh, uh, yeah. We would go to La Rueda, the wheel. And it, it was a, a Cuban salsa club. I might have mentioned that. And she'd go in there and dance, and I'd go in there and drink. Mm-hmm. And one evening, I'm at the bar, seven, eight Heinekens deep, and I'm watching these Cuban dudes that can dance like, like, like silk. They're just they're silk on satin, satin on in in on the feet, twirling her around. And, uh, you know, she, real newsflash here, man, Cuban guys love curvy American blonde girls. I mean, no one would have ever figured that one out. Okay. <laughs> but it's true. It's true. And I'm watching this and I'm also there. I, the, the, the their computers are running. How am I going to get her out of this bar? We were in the same, we were in the same community, you know, whatever, you know, some guys are going to be that way. And I didn't, that, that's not what I cared about. No. Okay. What? What I, what I cared about, I didn't care about them. I cared about me. What I cared about is that I didn't care at all if they did or not. I was ice cold to this person that I said that I loved. And for whatever reason, a moment of clarity graced itself upon my head and I looked down this path and saw me 30 years from now, still chewing on this same story, okay? Bitter waste of space. Bitter old man, waste of talent. Dude. Scary. I said anything but that. Anything but that. And uh, right at that same time, my you know, talk about you know, cleansing and such – uh, my vice principal, I was an elementary school sports teacher at the time. My vice principal 
comes in and says, Hey, I just got back from a, 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 a doing a detox down at this cleansing resort in Koh Samoy on the It's an island in the Gulf of Thailand. And he goes, it was really cool. And there was some really interesting people down there. And I, I just feel better about stuff. You should go. So I went. And I, I paid good money, Thai bot, to not eat for seven whole days. I had some coconuts, some detox pills and these weird psyllium shakes. And I came out feeling better about some things. I'm like, okay, I can rep this. So I kept going back my third trip down. I go to an evening talk about emotional detoxification. I saw a, a man who actually turned into my one was was one of my mentors in this work, Barry Musgrave. He was this is in two thousand and four. He was leading a workshop, and uh, he was talking about identities, talking about words, talking about stories, emotional reactions, yeah. and. He asked if anyone had a problem. This woman raised her hand and she said, uh, she told the story of a decently bad breakup at Beach Week. For those of y'all who do not know what Beach Week is, it's where everybody goes to the beach for a week upon uh, <laughs> juniors and, and seniors of, of high school and then you know, this college spring breaks and stuff. It was one of those things. Mm-hmm. And her boyfriend cheated on her in front of everybody the night before, and then dumped her in front of everybody the, the, the next night. Lovely. And yeah, and she, this four years later, she's still pissed. Mm-hmm. Hadn't been in a relationship since. She went through the story angry in tears. Okay. Go through the story again. Let's change these words up. She did. Now she's sad, no tears. Everybody's paying real close attention. Mm-hmm. Play it a third time and change the ending. Take this, that, this, these, these words out, put these words in. And she did. And she changed, she changed the story, which changed her, the way she felt about the story. And in that change, she, she saw the whole thing differently. It's called a cognitive shift. She goes, you know, it wasn't going to work out anyway. That guy was actually pretty weird. And 10 minutes before, she's, she's, she's visibly, visibly very upset. And I look at this and I go, that's not my story of woe, but it is. I saw the mechanics of it. And I got up immediately. I got up and when, when the workshop was done and went and, and downloaded uh, an 80-page manual on how to do this stuff on yourself, and I went to work on my own story and things started improving slowly, but surely they started improving. And, um, I went and got, uh, uh, trained in, in story work, went back down to that same spot as a counselor. And that was, that was 13 full-time years ago. There. Now we're here. Now we're here. That's incredible. And along the way too, the original way I picked you up, I remember uh, I was working an odd job, just a summer thing over, um, you know, tying, tying me over the, uh, the, the slums of entrepreneurism. 
So mm-hmm. I was I was working the the long afternoons and mowing the lawn, doing the yard work and landscaping business with for a friend's company. And I mean that gave me such clarity in hindsight. And I'm glad I had that opportunity. It was definitely a bridging job, but it provided uh, an outlet where I could really invest into my education. And I came across the boys, um, uh, Bledsoe and, and the team. Mm. And I I got right into the shrugged. Uh, podcast and that was where I first heard you and upon hearing that and the way that you talked about and it was like it was the same time of my life where I was just built this thing up had this crazy ass story going and I was you know I was a broke ass trainer couldn't make it all this like worth like total self-pity talk like just what was me story and then yours came on that morning and everything kind of just went, ah, I got to listen to this guy a little bit more. And in doing so, I found that the way that you talk, uh, specifically on that first, I think it was the barbell business. That was the first place I heard you. And obvious reasons I was listening to that to try to pull myself out of what I thought was a slump that everybody else's problem but mine, right? And then listening to your words and how I created that entire thing and I could uncreate it or create something totally new was really, really revolutionary. And then in those, when, when was your, your Ted talk? When was the TEDx? That was June, mid June, 2017. Okay. Yeah. Cause that was, that was where things really changed when I saw, cause I, they, they redirected on, on that, on that thing. So when I got home that day, I was just like, I got to learn more about this, this Mark guy. Guy seems like a cool cat. And, Watching you command the stage, knowing your story that you just shared with us on this show, that, that's, that's the same story that I heard, and watching you transform, and it was like it was a totally different person. Yeah, you look the same, yeah, you talk the same, but not really. You know, your, your whole attitude inside changed, and can you walk us through, how does one get up onto stage and really transform? Because with the performers that listen to this podcast, like oftentimes we're sitting in a dark corner of the room and then it's showtime and it's a completely different animal. And that's how I saw what you were going through telling that story to the guy on the stage at TEDx teaching this stuff. What's going through your mind when you're, when you're preparing for something like that as a performance? We got... We got the call from TEDx RVA, which is one of the top 10 TEDx's in the world out of 5,000 as far as production value. Right. They're, 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 it's, it's high level. Yeah. It's high level production. Got the call. We want you. You got three months. Is it Okay. So my business partner and I took the first month and crafted that talk. We went back and forth. He was in Thailand. I'm in Virginia. Back and forth many times and got the script crafted down to the word. He's a screenwriter. That helps. Very much. And, yeah, very <laughs> much helps. And, and now I've got two months to prepare for it. So 
I was on a call, group training call two nights ago with 20 sales reps. It's an MLM. This is a, a, it was a closed group training for some of their more accomplished salesmen and women. And the topic was presenting. And if you'd like me to, I can take six minutes and go through the difference between an amateur and a professional when it comes to, when it comes to performing, when it comes to presenting. And a lot, there'll be a lot of crossover to um, uh, uh, the music industry, oh, if yeah. you'd like that. Oh, I, that'd be fantastic. I think that's, okay. uh, that's, that's Perfect. applicable. <laughs> that's very applicable. Sure. Love it. It's applicable. Great. So amateurs wing it. First things first, amateurs wing it. They don't prepare. Mm-hmm. They get on stage for a talk and, and th- thinking something along the lines of, I'll know what, I, what I'll say when I get up there. I've heard that a hundred times, man. G- genius. Yeah. Again, again, what could go wrong? Or, or one of my other favorites, I've got an outline in my head. Okay. Professionals do not do that. Professionals prepare. They practice. They train. They rehearse. Second thing amateurs do is they they open cold. Professionals open hot. Here's an example of an op- a, a, a cold open. You've seen this. Uh, thanks for having me come here, everybody. I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really honored to, to, to be here with you today, speaking with you. Um, it's just, a, it's a really great experience. You know, we've got a lot of, we've got a lot of great things to, to, to go over today. And I'm, I'm just really excited about the material and, um, uh, you know, we'll get into that here soon enough. I just, uh, you know, I want to, I want to, I just want you to know how, how, how happy I am to be. Everyone is thinking about running for the door. Okay. Or, or if someone, any, anyone sent them a notification, not a message, just a notification on Facebook, you lose them right out the bat. Okay. And once you lose an audience, it's hard to get them back. If you hook them though, from the beginning, it's easy to keep them, which is why you want to open hot in that Ted talk. I opened hot. I walked out on stage. I didn't say hello. I didn't say thank you. I didn't say, I'm really excited to be here. I walked out on stage and opened my mouth and told a story. I opened hot with a story. In February 2002, I moved to Bangkok, Thailand, following my dream of becoming a professional fighter. Boom. Everybody leans in. Exactly, yeah. That's how you want to start. And that also, a lot of this comes down to to preparing and knowing how to prepare. Okay. I knew how to prepare. I knew where I was going to start. I had written the thing down. We practiced the, I've rehearsed that talk anywhere from 75 to 80 times. Okay. I, uh, I wanted to be able to be woken up in the middle of the night and be able to give that presentation. And I would have been, I could have been, if someone had come in and just dumped some cold water on my face, snap to it, let's go. Training, reps. You know what the Rolling Stones, kind of a successful band, you know what they would do after, after concerts? They'd go back up to the hotel and they'd practice. Yeah. 
that's pro amateur 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 is it's so easy to be an amateur i used to be an amateur the first talk i ever gave i've given over 500 professional presentations first talk i ever gave i i I bought into that i don't know what to say when i get up there and i thought i was going to die and i did it the next time and the next time and the next time and the next time and guess what that is that's stressful and when someone is stressing themselves out due to a lack of preparation, they're in, a, they're in a sympathetic nervous system response and their breathing is trapped in their chest. And so when someone is excited and they're nervous, they tend to talk fast. And because they're talking fast, they, they, they're breathing let, their breathing gets even worse. And it's just a thing that snowballs. So amateurs talk way too fast and they say way too much. Due to a lack of preparation, due to a lack of refinement of their material down to a, I, I, I recommend a singular message, one or two, three, you're playing with fire, okay? They try and get like 17 things in there. Mm-hmm. And so you lose your audience. You talk fast and you breathe poorly. And when someone is giving a sales presentation, Okay, when someone's giving a, a they're pitching their services as a a, a a a trainer, and they just keep talking, they're saying too much, they're talking too fast, they're stressed. They say, you, you could be selling the best thing in the world, and the person wants to buy it, and you sound like an amateur. Mm-hmm. People are like, eh, something's something's off here. Mm-hmm. Professionals, I recommend when you rehearse presenting. You practice presenting at 80% speed of your normal rate of speech. And what is that is what that is going to give you on top of better breathing mechanics is range. Because if I'm talking really fast, I can't go much higher than that. It'll sound real weird. It already sounds weird. If I do, it'll sound real weird. But if I'm yeah. talking, yeah, chipmunks, exactly. Yeah, yeah. But if I'm talking at a you know, at 80, 85% speed, I can speed it up a little bit when things get interesting and I can also bring it down low to make a point. So you give yourself extra range. And also, uh, uh, I started off, I opened hot, that two-hour presentation, online training, webinar two nights ago, I opened hot. You can also open hot with a question. I got introduced. Raise your hand, everyone, if you fall into one of these three categories. You would like to be confident on stage, or you would like to be more confident on stage, or you would like to be even more confident on stage. Everybody raise their hand. Perfect. You can totally open with open hot with a question. It's great. It's fun. And then I said, okay, good. Now, what if I were to tell you that there is a promised land, ladies and gentlemen, past confident, that if you go through a process, some processes, that you can get there. And that promised land is essentially heaven. It's where the elite speakers reside. Would you be interested in learning about that? Guess what, everyone? So you see what the, see what's happening here. Everybody's in on the same page because most people think, "Oh, if I could just, if I could only just be confident on stage." Yeah. 
Okay. Yeah. And what I'm, where I'm going with this, that promised land is comfort. When I looked at, so Ted, my, our TEDx RVA talk, uh, the most people I'd spoken in front of up until that was 400. This is now 1800 decent sized crowd in my hometown on the red dot in the most prestigious, prestigious theater in Richmond. Oh, and by the way, I'm a professional speaker and everybody knows it. So that adds a little bit of a little, little bit of something to it. So I look at that and I'm like, all right, yeah, let's take the crowd out of it. Let's take the, t- oh, oh yeah. And it's, you know, it's TEDx. Um, it'll be on the, it'll be on the, the inner internet forever. And it's also, Oh, by the way, it's live streamed to over 160,000 people in, in 20 satellite, uh, um, uh, venues, no pressure. Um, uh, and, and I was like, okay, cool. Yeah. That's that. What do I want from me? What do I want from me about this? Yeah. And, and I looked at it and I said, you know, I, I want to enjoy myself. It took me a while to get to these ideas. I'd ask the question in a couple, and I'd, I'd ask the question again and again. A couple of days later, I'd get the answer. You know, some a lot of this stuff isn't overnight, obviously. And I said, I want to enjoy myself. And I said, Yes, I can work with this answer. So I placed myself on stage in my imagination, because we live in two worlds. We live in our imaginary world where our self-image resides, okay? Our identity resides. And then we, in some strange form or fashion, I don't understand anything about this. I understand a, a minuscule amount of the mechanics of language when it comes to how I see myself and how I feel about myself and how that influences my outside world, okay? I don't know anyone who knows what the imagination is, yet we're in it all day long. It's weird. So I see myself and I'm like, I want to, I want to enjoy myself. And so I see myself enjoying myself on stage and guess what? I'm not, guess what? I'm not, I'm not this. I'm not confident. I'm comfortable. I'm comfortable. Cause truth be told, confidence is still a flavor of a stress response. Why do I have to posture like that? Where am I breathing when I'm confident? Oh, here. It's here. Okay. It's, it's, it's confident is superior to this. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's a progression, progress. So we go from this to this to this. Luke Skywalker to Obi-Wan Kenobi. Luke Skywalker is confident. Obi-Wan Kenobi is comfortable. And I saw that and I'm like, okay, comfortable. Now I keep going with the conversation in my mind. If I'm comfortable, where am I breathing? I'm breathing in my abdomen. So I practiced. Rehearsed. I rec- and another side, side note, pro tip for people, whether, you, whether you're, you're performing. A presentation is a performance. Uh, truth be told, if you want to get, if you want to crack the, the, you know, the, the, the upper ceilings of this stuff, performances are experiences. You're creating experiences for your audience. I do it with my language. Somebody else does it with their instruments. Okay. So, so, um, uh, I pro tip 
record yourself. Record yourself practicing this stuff. If you record yourself giving a presentation and you watch it, you're going to hate it. Good. Do it again. Take some notes and then do it again. Record yourself again. And you're going to hate it, but just a little bit less. Okay? Do it again. A couple days later. Record three times. Three times is the magic number. If you've got a presentation in two weeks and you write down your bullet points and you rehearse it a couple of times and then you rehearse it and hit record and then watch that back and and three times. If you record a presentation three times, you're ready. You've just now prepared more than 99% of the population would prepare for something okay? because they're too bought into thinking that – uh, I, just because I know my material, that will that will translate to me being able to tell the story of it in front of other people, and it won't. So, and let's let's talk about how someone sounds when they're breathing abdominally. Okay, mm-hmm. when I'm breathing in my chest and I'm talking about something, I sound like a total amateur. When I'm breathing in my abdomen and I am comfortable first and foremost, in my own skin, then that is that comes across as an authority and the right kind of authority. It's a it's a it's a it's a benevolent authority as opposed to a pressure authority. It's a it's a take it or leave it authority. And people like that. People like having options. Oh, great. I can take this or I can leave this. Another thing that that amateurs do is they have bad hands. Professionals have good hands. Amateurs, bad hands. Professionals, good hands. Give us an example. So, so, you know, I'm I'm really uh, excited about, you know, this this stuff that we're going to talk about today because, you know, there's um, there's a lot, there's a lot, there's a lot, there's a lot here. For those of you watching, what, what, what did I just do? Hands all over your face, just I'm I'm picking. I'm picking, I'm scratching, I'm poking, I'm pulling, pulling on my shirt, hands and on my face, touch scratch my nose, pull on my beard, like adjust my it's that's amateurs don't know where their hands are doing. And a part of that, you can remediate a lot of that, which you want to remediate a lot of that. And if if I if you you know, truth be told, remediate the whole thing. So you master your hands. If you if you record yourself and watch it, uh, very likely you'll see your hands doing some strange things that you're not even aware of. Here's an example of me blowing a golden opportunity because I had bad hands. So I yeah it was um it was, I was in I was in Thailand I was uh, like I previously mentioned I was an elementary school sports teacher and I was running a sports program for kids in Bangkok's biggest slum. There's 80,000 people in one square kilometer. It's sardines, man. And um, kids, it's just, it's, it's, a, it's a different kind of poor. Um, and so I would go in there twice a week and, and teach kickboxing to these kids. Super fun. I go, uh, the Richmond Times-Dispatch, one of my, one of my, uh, my roommate was a journalist. He comes out, takes some pictures, writes an article, send it to, sends it to the Richmond Times-Dispatch, Richmond's newspaper, and they run it. I get some emails. Hey, news channels, we want to interview you. When, when are you coming back? I'll be back in three months. 
cool. News crew comes in my house, sets up, and I'm going to tell the story of this and, and, and ask for some donation money. Cool. And so I get into the story and I start telling the story about Klong Toy and the kickboxing and the kids and what I'm doing there and why I moved over there. And uh, th- I, I'm not making this up. This is a fucking for, this is a true story. And my, f- my hand slowly rose up to about right there, right before I asked for the money. What am I doing? What are you doing? That's amazing. That's like Talladega Nights. That's Ricky Bobby. What do I do with my hands? What uh, a- come down by your side, Ricky. I'll race real fast. <laughs> what? Oh man. For anybody that's watching this and joining us in studio here. Um, I hope you got a laugh out of that because that's, that's absolutely ridiculous. How did you feel when you watched ridiculous. that? Ridiculous. How, how did you even know that that happened? Oh, I, I felt like shit. Yeah. And I, I couldn't even watch it. They didn't run it. No kidding. Yeah. No kidding. Like amateur amateur yeah. i didn't prepare i didn't prepare ah. i did not prepare what i was going to say when i and when i got on camera i was like oh god there's a camera yeah shit amateur hour totally bush league bush league amateurs so amateurs have bad hands professionals have good hands um amateurs close loose what's a what's a what's a loose close it's um, uh, I, I am a professional speaking coach as well. Two weeks ago, I was, a client flew me out to Denver to watch her give a presentation to 800 of her colleagues. And I watched her tape of the year before. And she, she's great energy. Everybody loves her, super authentic. And, and she does the whole, that tries to get 17 things in. Talks way too fast. Makes a lot of, makes a lot of amateur mistakes because she didn't prepare. She just, she, she fell into the, you know, I'll just be me when I get up there category. And, um, uh, uh, they flashed one minute on the, on the, on the clock and she was nowhere near where she wanted to be no. to close. Yeah. And, and eventually they, they, they hit the stop thing and she goes, uh, oh, oh, okay, bye. Literally. That's what she did and walked off stage. Huh. Yeah. That's that oh. is a that is a sloppy close. It's just oh. a long winded. There's there's no there's no emphasis. There's no pause. It's clunky. Okay, professionals close tight. And here's what I use for a tight close when I speak. At the very end, I give a call to action and an, an emotional story. What do I? Why am I up there? What do I want the audience to do? It maybe has nothing to do with anything business related. Maybe I want them to pay closer attention to their words. Speak at 80% speed for one day, and you will give yourself enough space to feel what your words are doing for you and to you. That's the call to action. And then you close with something that is emotional to you. Not necessarily like a boohoo emotion, but something that you get fired up about. And that's how you end well. So um, uh, that's, that's my quick and dirty amateur versus pro conversation when it comes to presenting. Um, and there's a, lot of, there's a lot of crossover too. You, you want to get good? Get, you want to get good at music? Do the reps. 
Okay. Oh, and, uh, and, and how did I get on stage with it? I'd, I'd spoken like 400 times before I got on stage yeah. yeah, at TEDx. So it wasn't, it wasn't like, Hey, and, and I saw people that did do that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. How did they go? Uh, how did they go? Um, how was that presentation? A lot of it depended on how much time and effort they put into it, how well they prepared. And um, I've, I've been to several TEDx's. Okay. Yeah. I watched this of, of I mean, so of, and a TEDx is not a TEDx is not a TEDx. Right. There are TEDx's like TEDx RVA and TEDx Sydney. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there, and there are also TEDx's that are, you know, on a elementary school uh, uh, theater stage. Or even even like and, and that's cool, that's yeah. cool, great. Any anyone that goes up there got my respect. Same thing as fighting. Anybody that gets in the ring, dude, respect, man. That's it's spooky. It's scary. Um, I watched a PhD, a tenured PhD uh, professor, give their presentation, and when the MC walked over to interview her afterwards. If I was standing, I'd show you, but she just, she, her, she was standing and her knees came together and she came in like this, like, like, it looked like she was trying to hold in a pee at first. And then she, then she closed up like this and he, he got, he says, Hey, great job. How you doing? She goes, did I do okay? It doesn't translate. What you're good at does not translate to you telling the story of what you're good at on stage. No. Okay. And just because they said, um, uh, wasn't Peter Frampton. It was um, Peter Fonda. He said he would puke every time he went out on stage, right before he went out on stage. He'd, he'd go out there, okay? Um, just, somebody, just because somebody's a really good guitarist in their garage does not mean they're going to shine on stage. You got to practice getting on stage and, and making small adjustments as you go and contemplating what you did right, be objective about it. Be objective about it. I dare you. I triple dog dare you when you're done in your next performance to pick this thing up. It's a pen and write down what you did well and what you need to improve upon. If you do that for 10 performances in a row, I dare you to do that. You're going to be a different beast up there. And what that will do, if you keep going, it will get you through confidence. You think the Rolling Stones are confident when they go on stage? They're free when they go on stage. They're comfortable when they go on stage. They own themselves internally and externally when they're on stage. And that only comes from preparing well and also doing the proper amount of internal work, whether you know you're doing it or not, by creating a, an identity that supports you up there. If you've got an identity that is hell-bent on you not succeeding, then you, you've, got, you've got something to, to seriously think about. And yeah. guess what? That is a construction. It's not heaven-sent or hell-sent. Identity is – this is what we gave the TED Talk on. Identity is not what the definition of it is. The current definition of identity is uh, uh, the – the fact of being who or what a person is. It's not a fact. We all see ourselves differently than we did when we were five. It's an ongoing process and we participate in it with our words, with our language. We create stories and they either work for us and they work against or they work against us. And when people do not understand through a lack of education, and I was one of these people, that there's a total game to be played with my words. And if I use these words more, I will create 
if I if I if I use a lot of these words, I'm going to create stress and anxiety and conflict and indecision and doubt and anger and resentment and guilt and grief and uh, uh, and, and and a lot of problems. And I'm going to bring a whole bunch of people into that story too. Yeah, great. Let's get them all involved. If I use more of the, if I use less of these words and more of these words, I'm going to create more clarity, more focus, more confidence, more momentum, more self-belief, more laughter, more harmony, more collaboration, and things get better. It all comes down to the story we tell ourselves about ourselves, and uh, uh, it's it's an it's a conversation about education. Most people's education about their language comes down to spelling, grammar, and definitions. I have a degree in education. I used to teach, and I also came up through the public school system. I didn't have one course, class, or conversation on how my language influenced my self-image. Nothing, nothing, none, zero, or how my language influences my, my the. What, how I feel about myself and how, how I breathe language and breath. That's why, I, that's why I got on barbell shrug. Yeah. That's why I got on barbell shrug when, cause we had done a bunch of work in the yoga in some yoga scenes and we showed it's a direct line between what we think and say and how well we breathe. And guess what? Yogis like to breathe well, cause guess what? They're more flexible when they do and everything else is better. And I said, you know what? This translate, I'd done some CrossFit classes and I'm like, these guys are cool. They work out. As a group, they're not in there with their headphones. Um, uh, you know, everybody's separate. Now, there's a tribal mentality. They got work ethics. Like, cool. I've got something to say. Who's got the best podcast in CrossFit? I asked five people in the game, three box owners, two athletes. They all came back and said, Barbell Shrug. One of them said, oh, by the way, Mike Bledsoe has heard of you and your work. Would you like an introduction? Yes, I would. I was prepared. I was prepared to answer the call of the opportunity that I created for myself. They didn't contact me. I, I went out looking for something. And, and, and I got on the show, and a lot of things changed for us, man. We got exposed to uh, the fitness industry. I've got, I've got, I got some, some players, yeah. phone numbers in my phone that I can text with, and they'll text back yeah. in the fitness industry. Yeah. Um, and I like that. That's cool. And that's just one of the things that happened, you know, um, you know, sales spiked. So here, here's the deal. P some people ask me, how do you get a Ted talk? I'm like, get good at something, do the reps, mm -hmm. do the reps. And then, then, then go ahead and write out your talk before you have anything booked. Yeah. Because you know how many people, uh, go up to people that are that, that produce TED Talks. I know. I know the people that are involved in TEDxRVA. They're my friends. And, and uh, they say, you know, uh, I, I think I might like to give a TED Talk someday. That happens all the time. Yeah. As opposed to, I've got a talk I want to give. It's already written down. I've rehearsed it a couple of times. Very different. Same words. Different, same it's very different. Very different communication. One's amateur, one's pro. One's one's vague and loose. One is focused and 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 uh, uh, engaged, participating. Yeah. They're participating in their story. One of my mentors. Uh, I've got I've got two, three. One in and then my dad. My dad, love him. Uh, uh, my kickboxing coach, love him. 
the guy that showed me the the story work and still still we're still he's still my mentor love him and then my uh life mentor what a hard ass this guy is and uh, and a lot more than that it's just he's a self-made billionaire okay i met him at the spa in thailand he came in in a shirt and some shorts and um uh uh, uh i didn't know i didn't know what he did who he was but i i could just i could just tell this guy big huge wake load no drag you know he just made things happen yeah one of those kind of cats and um he, he'd come back every eight months and we got to be better and better friends and he said, you should come out to L.A. You can stay with me. And I was like, all right. So I did. And uh, uh, lived under the same roof with him for over a year. If we add up all the time, you know, I've I've I wasn't I didn't get anything. Not that I wanted anything. I, watching was enough. But I, I observed a billionaire Christmas, a billionaire's Christmas. They're different. And he said, you make your own opportunity. He said, you make your own opportunity. He would say that all the time. And he's right. And he's right. Um, and a lot of ways that people, most people uh, talk themselves out of opportunity. Unconsciously. We teach people to talk themselves into opportunity to be opportunity prone instead of accident prone be action prone be supportive of yourself talk to and it, it sounds weird uh or or even corny and um once we get in get in down to the word level of the conversation where the rubber meets the road which you, in my opinion you have to have in place in order to practice mindset development if you just have the overall be more positive have a good attitude just believe in yourself more that stuff crumbles under the pressure of life okay because our voice is seductive and if we take the first thing that shows up it's not even a rough draft we haven't even written it down it's just a rough idea yeah. we take oh wait, oh of course it's true it's my voice in my own head sure i'll run with that Exactly. I like the eyebrow. It was good. He raised the eyebrow and looked at me like somebody <laughs> farted. <laughs> That's exactly it. When we get down to the word part of the conversation, then things get, uh, they get interesting and real and relatable. And I like that. So the definition of a spell, ladies and gentlemen, Love is a word or a combination of words of great influence. That's it. That's Webster's definition, not mine. A word or a combination of words of great influence. Once upon a time, a woman came in, sat down for a coaching session. The first thing out of her mouth is said, she said, I have a problem with my face and it's getting in the way, it's causing problems in my marriage. I said, tell me more. Yeah. She's 10 years old, goes over to the grandparents. The aunt is there. The aunt, the little girl walks in. The aunt leans down and says, remember the power of words, my, you have a big nose just like me. Little girl, 
tightens up, runs into the bathroom, looks, goes straight for her nose, which was no bigger than it was five seconds ago. But the thing's huge now in her imagination. And she lived with that. She grew up with that. She went into puberty with that. She went into middle school and high school with that. She went into college with that and married a man who would tell her that she's beautiful. But because she had that story in place that I've got a big nose, that compliment could not get through. And we all know someone who takes compliments poorly. There's a reason for that. Our language influences our reticular activating system. Look this up. If you are into personal development at all, there's great videos on YouTube about this. Look it up. It's worth 10 minutes of your time. The reticular activating system is responsible for seeking things and confirming things and editing things out. And if you've ever gotten in a car and driven around and then you start to see more and more of those cars in, uh, out on the road, and you're like, where are all these cars coming from? That's the reticular activating system. Whatever we, whatever we deem important, for better or for worse, the reticular activating system buys into and it goes out and, and, and finds more of that and edits out the other stuff. So you're beautiful. I think you're uh, just smoking hot. Nope. Won't allow that to get in. Mm-hmm. That's, what that, that's what that is. Mm-hmm. She walks past a mirror. The first she turns and catches her nose the first time. she that's, that's the reticular activating system pointing her attention at that thing. And when someone has scripted, bought into stories of that nature, man, it can it's, – it's no, no wonder sometimes building a, a quality life is an uphill battle. Yeah. Okay? If our self-image and, and our self-confidence, if they're both – if they're – um uh the okay let me say it like this and this is my per- personal and professional take on it take it or leave it our identity and the language that we use to to script it to construct it to build it is the master conversation in personal and professional development it's the master conversation if you you, you could have you could be the very best guitarist in the world and if you have a self-image of being an utter and total failure and the voice is yelling at you in your head that you suck and you will never amount to anything ever. Don't even try. Don't even go out of the house. It doesn't matter how good you are. Get really good at something and then go in and change up your stories. Language. All right, Mark. Well, this sounds like a really good spot to jump off into some of the translations. Um, would you would you mind walking us through what some of the negations, what some of the the conflict language, what what kind of things you see, and we could work on this maybe? Uh, Dr. Schwartz, I'd be I'd be I'd be honored to do so. <laughs> may may I enlist your 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 golden radio voice? Oh yes, I would love I would love to help this. Here we go. Let's try it out. Please read this statement. All right. How can I ever get over this? Perfect. We're going to play the one-word game. The one-word game. One more time for shits and giggles. Let's go with how can I ever get over this? Perfect. So you heard him read it twice, folks. Now we're going to take out one word, and we're going to see what changes for you, if anything. 
How can I get over this? So we went from how can I ever get over this to how can I get over this? What's the difference? Well, for me, it sounds like it's not so absolute. It doesn't sound like it's a forever thing. Mm. Yes. Yes. When, and and when, you, when you observe how those two statements influence your imagination, what do you see? Yeah. What's the difference? The, the, the difference in reading it the first time is it just feels like a forever, like there's a, you're trapped, a total trap. Uh, the second time I read that through without the ever, to me, felt a little more manageable. I still wouldn't say it was <clears throat> super positive, but it was definitely. You say, it's, you say it's better. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yes. When someone takes out, because actually that, 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 that first question isn't a question, especially if we emotionalize it strongly. How can I ever get over this? I'm actually making a statement that I can't get over it. It's a presupposition. I'm presupposing that there's nothing I can do about this. The second one is also a presupposition. It presupposes that I can do something about this. It brings the, it turns the volume down on the drama. And when that happens, I can see possibilities. The first one, it clouds my vision. It, it you just, you, let's, let's use your analysis of it. It makes me think whatever I'm focusing on is permanent. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. Way to, way, yeah, way to, way to really, you know, uh, no, no. And, and, um, and this goes back to what we we're talking about to people making themselves action prone with their language. The, fir- the first one, how can I ever get over this? I'm inaction prone with that. Mm-hmm. Okay. The other one, I'm, 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 I am now action prone. I'm solution oriented instead of problem oriented with my language. Also known as being um, uh, talking myself into opportunity as opposed to talking myself out of opportunity. Yet another example of someone being able to use their language to work for them instead of against them. Let's keep going with this. So these, these, so ladies, gentlemen, listeners of this glorious podcast, I'm holding up spell cards and Dr. Schwartz is reading them. Okay. The definition of a spell, not, not mine, Webster's. The definition of a spell is a word or a combination of words of great influence. And everything that he's reading are real things real people have said. Okay? Real clients. I guess it sounds like I'm making a lot of excuses. How does it feel to say that? I guess it's I guess it sounds like I'm making a lot of excuses. feels really contrived it, oh it's it's gross it's soft <laughs> it's, it's gross. gross it's soft That's we're the, soft, right yeah. now ladies and gentlemen we're we're going over one of the three pillars of conflict language in the vocabulary system and this is soft talk so the key words are guesses and maybes and mites and 
thinks and hopes and tries and one days. And it, I guess it's like I am's and perhaps is. And it, this is where, this is where a, 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 a tremendous amount of people's indecision comes from. No one likes feeling indecisive. It right. sucks. It hurts. Okay. And, and the majority of it is we're, we're, this is the, it's the, this is the best of news and it's the worst of news. We're doing this to ourselves with our words. Here's another one. I'll read this one. I think it was a seeking of acceptance kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. A, 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 a man read this um, about uh, his, 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 his jealousy issues with his wife. Mm. And that's what he said. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think it was a seeking of acceptance kind of thing. I said, wonderful, write that down. Yeah. He did. And so I said, say it again. He did. I think it was a seeking of acceptance kind of thing. Now scratch off kind of thing. Yeah. I think it was, I think I was seeking acceptance. Take out the think. I was, I was seeking acceptance. Uh. And you know what? I've been doing that since I was a little kid. Because it started when his parents got a divorce. And he took that story all the way with him into his adult life and was playing it out as, as major jealousy issues, which were, which were sabotaging his marriage. Mm. And he would have never gotten to the core of it if he kept saying stuff like this. Oh, well, you know, because we can just throw it away. Yeah. Well, I guess it was a seeking of acceptance kind of thing. On to the next thing. Yeah, yeah. Or we adjust what, we, what we're saying and we gain clarity and we move forward as opposed to vacillating back and forth, side to side. Oh, no, 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 oh. no, no, no. I watched one of my friends, this, 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 this next statement. Yeah. I, 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 in my heart of hearts and other people that know him too, I think he's the best in the world, the very, the very best in the world out of 7 billion at what he does. I was in the room with him. Okay. And, uh, uh, someone was wanted to, to hire him to come and do a workshop. Okay. And the person asked about his availability. They went back and forth. Uh, uh, it was, it was, yeah, okay. Maybe the guy asked again, uh, uh, the conversation went somewhere else. He came back. The guy asked a third time and he said, well, I'm still open to the idea of sorting something out at some time. Oh, man. I'm going to read it again. I'm still open to the idea of sorting something out at some time. Some, we're going to sort something out at some time. And, and we're not going to do it. I'm just open to the idea of doing it. So soft. Whoa. It's so soft. And the guy in the conversation, and the, the opportunity, just the opportunity knocks. It rarely nags people. And this guy with his words, he's a whole, he's, he's, a, he's a different person now. With yeah. it, with its language, uh, 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 that that one that one he missed that. No, he not missed that. Not surprising at all. But it's, no. it's, it's very it's very interesting, and especially with the audience that we're talking to, how much your confidence portrays. And I think that's where people listening to this, whether you're a performer, a manager, uh, an agent, you're in the game of sales at some point. You're selling something, so it's very interesting. We want to just talk touch on how these two 
two out of the three pillars here that we've talked about so far, how they really work to somebody who's trying to sell their skills, right? As, sure. as a performer, how, how does this, uh, how does this relate? Uh, it, it's, it's everything. You use a lot of soft talk. You'll sound like an amateur. You'll be non-committal. You'll, you'll, I made a post about this on Instagram a few days ago. It's not, the se- it's not the second guess that gets you. It's the 552nd. Yeah. You've got, you have to present yourself as someone who is, is capable and confident and will show up and will deliver the service, which is entertaining the audience. Mm-hmm. That's what you do. Mm-hmm. And if you take out some of that soft talk, you'll feel different. And if you take out a little more of that soft talk, you'll sound different. And when you sound different and you feel different, you are different. You'll like it. You will step into the world of, uh, of becoming more and more professional with your, with your language and how you present yourself and how you're – our language influences our posture. Hmm, what an interesting thought. You know, Everybody listening to this podcast has talked themselves into a bad mood, and there's a posture that comes along with bad moods. Everybody listening to this podcast has talked themselves into a good mood, and there's a posture that comes along with a good mood. Mm-hmm. Talk yourself into a into a, 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 a professional mood, and stay there. Watch what happens. You'll like it. So will your bank account. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. Next, so that was one of the three pillars right, right. Of, of, of conflict language, soft talk. And, that, and that's where I like to start the conversation. If I only have 10 minutes to talk to someone about language, um, because it's so it's, 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 it's accessible, everybody's heard it. Um, it's like, oh yeah, I've, I got friends that are like that. I do that too, blah, blah, blah. It's very easy to uh, uh, recognize. And so if you're listening to this, write those key words down. I'm going to say them again. Write these soft talk keywords down on a piece of paper five times the size of your normal handwriting. And what that's going to do, it's going to grab your attention. So just like when you get in a car and you've been driving around and you start to see more and more of those cars out, that's because that particular car got your attention and now your attention is going out and finding more and more of those cars. You're like, where the fuck are all these cars coming from? (laughs) They've been there the whole time. Okay. So right pen paper write it down five times the size of your normal handwriting like maybe think guess perhaps sort of it's almost like i am maybe one day hopefully try and start plucking that out of your speech and watch what happens. So someone, so when someone asks, how do I start practicing this stuff? I tell them two things, yeah. one macro, one micro. Macro, slow down your rate of speech by 20%, and you'll be able to connect some dots. And then focus on soft talk. Get Just work on those keywords and more dots will connect themselves, and then you'll have a conversation running about your conversations. Yeah. So the second pillar, negations. So the, my driving teacher, the first thing he taught me 
the first thing he said when I got in the car was, look where you want to go, because you're probably going to go there. Not rocket science, okay? <laughs> Yet most people stare at – a lot of people stare at the things that they don't want to happen yeah. in their imagination. Yeah. Also known as worrying, also known as being anxious. My grandmother was a seventh degree, 10th degree black belt of worrying. <laughs> Multiple time Olympic gold medals. Chicken little to, to oh, tea. Look out. Oh, oh, yeah. And she would tell us about it. I'm kidding. Oh, I'm so worried about you and your sister. <laughs> I'm just so I'm just so worried about, it. and she and then she go into detail about it, and then expect us to be grateful. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. it's called the martyr martyr mentality. And I, and then when, when I was old enough to work it out, I'm like, man, this is weird. So let me get this straight: you're making pictures and little mental movies of us going down in flames and horrible things happening to the family, and you want us to be ha- you want us to uh, uh, thank you for it. That's blackmail. That's that's how you. That's uh, that's oh that's how we're gonna love people in this family. Oh no wonder my mom's got hangups and sh- like it, it, it's 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 weird, dude. Yeah. When when language gets away from us, we can we can create the craziest stuff in our brains in our minds. Oh. Convince us, convince ourselves of anything. Yeah. Let's, let's let's here we go here we go. Yeah yeah okay. Right one. I can't let it kill me. Wow. <laughs> yeah, what kind of picture does that make? Yeah, no kidding. Holy. It's just, it's so, it's so common in speak, though. It's like, you it's hear everywhere. It all the time. You hear that How stuff about all the time. All the time. You and I have been having, you and I have been in, in contact. We've been friends for a couple of years now. Yeah. Okay, we've been having these conversations on and off for a couple of years now. You've taken the course. Yeah. Okay. And again, I've taken I'm, the course multiple times. Three, four, I'm back on uh, lesson day four again here. Uh, Dude, so smart. It's, well, it's, I was, I was saying earlier, it's like you see something from a different light and it's, it's the, the third time, the second time I took it, it was, it was better. Third time was like, okay, I'm starting to get this. And now this time I'm just like, it was just, it's a piece of cake. It's a walk in the park. It's kind of like me going like, oh, of course, like that. Cause it's, it's so shocking to read those things. Cause I'm like, wow, I actually, I was definitely saying all that. And I remember that person and I remember where it got me. And I remember how I was uh, having different challenges in my personal and in my professional career. Um, and now just using my coaching as a, as an example, when we start talking about that, I can't let it kill me. What can you let it do? And having that little switch of focusing on what you want out of the drill that has made an absolute probably biggest impact in my coaching clients and also in my um my my personal life just because it's direct it's authoritative it's like you're the clear commander yeah you're very much in decision mode and people respect that especially when you're in a position of you're supposed to be the coach (laughs) you know what i mean so it's it's amazing listening to it, and I hear it on the floor, on the gym floor, still around. I'm I'm sitting there going like, I remember my first beer. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> That's funny, dude. So, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. go on. Um, what what would you say to somebody that has got that I can't mentality? I see it all the time. 
become more aware of it. If, if, if you're, take the course, take vocabulary's course. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's impossible for me to put into words. I was just on a sales call, a guy, guy enrolled for our certification and this is next one coming up. And, uh, he's been listening to podcasts for about a year and he, he said, dude, just from, and he's also taken vocabulary. And he said, my story, the story I tell myself, he's like, I have to learn how to use this with other people. I have to get coached. I have to, I have to become a certified coach in this because my story is so radically different now. It's hard for me to recognize. I mean, I obviously remember the way I used to be, but it's hard for me to recognize that person that was telling myself all that crap about myself. Yeah. He goes, I don't even, I don't even understand how my life was, was kind of sort of working. <laughs> That's how I feel. <laughs> I was like, how the shit did I get through this? Two years? Me, me too. I'm sitting there. Be- before I, before I, because it's a practice, it's an ongoing practice and it's, this is not my work. This is our work. Right. Okay. Uh, uh, before I got into vocabulary or vocabulary got into me, better mm-hmm. way of saying it, dude, I did not like myself. I did not enjoy Mark England. I made a I made a very good show of of faking it, and the inside my insides were, my inner world was I tortured myself. I tortured myself. I was I was my own worst. I was my own victim. I was my own villain. I was the bully. I was uh, it, it was I, I, I my story was atrocious. Yeah and. Now I, 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 I like myself. I, I, I couldn't have, I couldn't have contemplated what liking myself would have sounded like. Mm-hmm. There's an interesting way to say it. That's the first time I've ever said it, said it like that. What does, what is, what is the story of liking yourself sound like? You know, That's what is the story? Yeah. 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 What is, what is the story of supporting yourself sound like? What are the words? What is what is the what is the the story of of liking yourself feel like? Mm-hmm. Okay, what is the story of supporting yourself feel like? Well, I know that now. It's comfort mm-hmm. when you're telling yourself a, a story that is supportive and constructive and contemplative. Uh, I was listening to, um, you know, I was. Just, uh, I did a bunch of listen to a bunch of Joe Rogan podcasts recently catching up and I was listening to the one with the the Rizza on it. That dude is so deep and he's he he's he quoted the Bhagavad Gita is that self-contemplation will take you further than prayer. Yeah. <laughs> Cuz guess what? A lot of the stuff I'm asking whoever for is stuff that I can resolve on my own. If I know how to play the game without this, without seriously, without, you know, uh, uh, without an understanding of, of words and uh, words and stories and, and, and stories and identities, life's hard. Yeah. And, and life is already hard enough. Yeah. 
Here's one. I don't want my children to grow up and think this is what a marriage looks like. I'm going to read it again. I don't, so negation keywords, don't, can't, isn't, haven't, hasn't, not. They force us to stare at the stuff we don't want to happen. I don't want my children to grow up and think this is what a marriage looks like. When I say that, I make a picture of my kids looking at uh, 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 a, a bad marriage. Yeah. And modeling that. And then when I do that, I get upset. And if I keep saying that stuff, I stay upset. Mm -hmm. Here's a good one. Talk about Calgary in the house. (laughs) I can't keep focusing on my past. I was up in Calgary in 2015 or 2014, a while ago. And we were doing a, uh, a sales training up there. And I stuck around and did individual coaching sessions with, with everybody else, with, with the rest of the, the whole team. And I was working with a 23-year-old guy who was not doing very well at his job. Okay, He was struggling. He was frustrated. And this is what he said. I can't keep focusing on my past. What was he envisioning? Him on the couch, all alone. What was he feeling? Stressed and scared. What was his body doing? It was tight and rigid. Where was his breath trapped in his chest? Mm -hmm. From saying one sentence very strongly. I said, great. I get it. Grab a pen. Write it down. Write what down? What you just said. What did I just say? (laughs) I can't keep focusing on my past. That. Write it down. He did. And I said, okay, if that's what you can't keep doing, what can you start doing? And he said it like a question. Focus on my future more? I said, yeah. Now make, it a, make that a statement. Uh, I, and he had, it took him a second. I, I can, he took a breath. I can, uh, I, I can focus on my, I can, I can. So he's socializing the idea in himself. You know, what, you know what else the RZA said? He said, you have to talk to yourself. Oh, yeah. It's the difference between talking to yourself and listening to yourself. If you listen to what you say to yourself, you're screwed. You have to talk to yourself. Because if we just listen, then the first thing that shows up, okay, great. I'll, I'll go with that. Yeah, great idea. No. Yeah. Learn to talk to yourself well. Yeah, it's like negotiating, right? It's like, uh, you know, sift through it. The first few things might not be the right answer. Uh, bet on them. Bet on them being wrong. Yeah. Bet, bet on them being inaccurate. Bet on. Bet on them being super rough drafts. Bet on them being um, down potentially downright sinister ideas. Right. Yeah. Okay. This is it's 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 yeah it's negotiation hostage negotiation. Exactly <laughs> over your own mind. It's insanity. Seriously. It's true though. Ser- yeah, definitely. Definitely true. This is so much value. Like. Whoa. What did he come out with? Did he, did he start that? I can't do Yeah. Yeah, he did. I can focus on my future more. And once he nodded and was in agreement that he can, we got three things that he could do, which was one, get a mentor two, network just a little bit more, go hang out with the people that are doing well. 
Okay, there's a there's a there's a revolutionary idea. Stop ha- stop smoking cigarettes with the losers in the back. Mm-hmm. Go eat lunch with different people. Okay, and and read a couple of books. And you know what? That dude, uh, I've got some videos on YouTube. It was it was a Kyle Cease, something I did. Um, well, that same year, it was a anyways thirty minute workshop I gave. And that dude commented on it nine months later. He said, he said, he said that conversation changed the course, the trajectory of his life. Super cool, man. Super cool. That's two out of three. We got, we got soft talk and we got negations. Uh, Now for the third one, this is the venom folks. This is the poison. It's called projections and it creates mm, interesting mental imagery. She makes me second guess myself. Lo- lovely little uh, nugget nugget of wisdom. Oh and by God. nugget, I mean butt nugget. But I, I got to tell you right now, projections, I'm still working. Like it's, it's a constant, constant. And a lot of it comes from, my, from my, my story that I built. And this is the one that I find it doesn't seep in as much as the soft talk or the negations in my language, but when it does, it, it's crippling. Yeah. These, 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 these are the nuclear warheads, right? These, these, these are the, these are the, these are the, yeah, this is, these are the big guns. This is the stuff. This is the stuff that, um, uh, can incinerate relationships. Yeah, be it professional or anything, right? Yeah. It's the blame game. It's just a complete lack of ownership. And I know two two years ago, three years ago, whenever uh, whenever we first started having our conversations, I was all over this. It was like that was (laughs) that was my thing, man. I was I was right in there. Didn't even recognize it. Didn't even know that that was what was so tough. Convinced. Oh yeah. And then I'd read it back, and I was like, and that's what I'm talking about. Is when I went through it the second time, I was wow. Ooh, that's that's kind of poison. And then the third time, I was like. Holy hell, how did I get through life? <laughs> like thinking like that. It's ridiculous. Talk to me about uh, how does one get out of that mindset on the, the projection, the blame game? First, know that you're participating in your story. Mm-hmm. Okay. You are not an innocent bystander at all, whatsoever. Okay. You are participating in the stories that you create. And this, again, this is the best of news. This is the worst of news. There's a hashtag called damn you, procabulary, for a reason. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I use that. Ah, damn you, procabulary. My victim, I want my victim story. <laughs> so much easier that way, though, when it's everybody else's so, so, Yeah, I know. A lot of times it is, huh. uh, until it's not. Um, <laughs> yeah, because because then we don't have to do anything. Then we can be right. Oh, oh, delicious, delicious. Uh, uh, um, uh, what what a nice tr- little treat that is. Being getting to be right. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Oh. Mm. So, so small in the scope, scope of such a big world dude, dude like, people will do anything to be right oh yeah i'm living proof man holy yeah it's it's bad sometimes i i gotta say i've worked really really hard on that but 
project. Yeah. Just, just yeah give yourself another five years, buddy. It'll be over. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he made me think we needed to get married. Yeah. Yep. Woman came in, sat down, divorced four years ago. Still upset. She said that. Yeah. She kept saying that. He made me think we needed to get married. Cool. Write it down. She wrote it down. Say it again. He made me think we needed to get married. Like, of course. Like she said it. She said it in a way like, "Hey, dumbass, why do I have to say this again?" Yeah. You know. Yeah. Like, all right, cool. Um, how did he do it? What do you mean? How did he make you think that you all needed to get married? Well, you know, he said it. No, no, no. How did he, he make you think that? Well, what do you, what he's, he kept saying it. I said, okay. Take out the he and put in I. She didn't like that no. at first. No. She did, she did it about six, seven minutes later. Now it wasn't even that long. I, I made me think we needed to get married. Again, she, she it was, it was, thick oh yeah and i've been that way okay i i, I totally understand yeah. there's not i've done it all okay yeah. i made me i made i i did i i i i did i i, I did i i made me think i mean yeah he was you know, he, he was very convincing, but, uh, you know, I mean, I, I, I did say yes. And you just see the whole, like the shoulders drop. Yeah. That's and the face powerful. relax. Yeah. And, and it was, it was literally a sobering moment. She was intoxicated on the victim villain dynamic. Cause that's what projections do. Cause two plus two equals four for me. For you, for everybody that's listening. He made me think we needed to get married. I'm in the picture. He's in the picture. He's forcing me. She makes me feel insecure. I'm in the picture. She's in the picture. She's doing that to me. To me, damn it. Mm. Here's, I've been talking, I got to find this guy. Because I've, 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 I've made money off this guy. Uh, um. You've been to Venice Beach Boardwalk, right? I'm assuming. You know what? I haven't. Been there. I haven't. Okay. It's on the when list. you go, when yeah. you go, because you'll go. Yeah. When you go, it will be top five places in the world that you've ever been for people watching. Oh, yes. It's a circus out there, dude. <laughs> I lived there for a year. Oh, my God. It's one of the best places to people watch in the world, and I've done some traveling. Cool. And uh, so I'm walking down. I've, I've walked that boardwalk. I, I don't know how many times. Uh, a lot. I'm walking down the boardwalk. I have my A minus game on my hat. A minus hat on, because if I had the A plus hat on, I'd have the the poster laminated, and I'd show it to you. Anyway, I walk past this guy. I stop. I back up. I turn and I look at him and I said, hey, bud. 
I'll give you a dollar if I can take a picture of you and your son. Sure. So I take a picture of his son. Okay, him and his son. And this is what it read. Student loans ruined my life. Student loans ruined my life. True story. The guy was 23 years old, no shoes, smoking half of a cigarette. Six open the right hand corner, it said six thousand dollars in debt. In the left bottom left hand corner, it said anything helps. Let's break this down, folks. Student loans ruined my life. Six thousand dollars in debt from student loans. Anybody that's gone to university knows exactly what that is. That's a semester of partying. That kid went to college and blew it out and went for one semester and didn't go back. Because that's all $6,000 will get you. You got to get, he didn't come, you don't come out with $6,000 in debt. No. I've had people, I've had people like choke laughing about six out student, student loans. Yeah, I wish I had that. That, That'd be great. That'd be, it'd be be cake. Easy. Cool. $6,000 in debt. Student loans ruin <laughs> the past tense ruined my life. It's over. It's ruined. Uh, um, uh, you know, let's just throw the next 40, 50 years in the can because student loans got me. I didn't have anything to do with it. I didn't participate at all. Right. I was just walking down the road, minding my own business and student loans jumped out from behind a dumpster and rolled me, <laughs> you know, <laughs> So made me sign on the dotted line and ran away laughing hysterically. So and then the guy, and, and it took exactly student loans got me, not me. I didn't, I didn't do it. No, you know, I'm not, I'm not participating in this one at all. No way. And, 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 and then, you know, as stories do, they perpetuate themselves. So I go, Oh yeah. Student loans got you, huh? And he goes, yeah, they did. And my dad, that asshole, he makes $78,000 a year and he wouldn't help me out at all. So I'll, I'll beg on the side of the road. Yeah. Student loans. Projection. Yeah. Projections. Yeah. What? Yeah. Don't don't worry about drugs, kids. Even though uh, um, you know you should. You should. Just don't even worry about them. Worry about the victim mentality. That's okay. A, that's a big one. Don't. Sure. Yeah. Say, say no to the victim mentality, kids. Yeah. Say say no say no to projections say say no to say no to negate say no to the vic, so, say no to vic, the victim centricities in your language. Yeah. Okay. That's what you should say no to. And then guess what? Guess what comes after that? Uh, uh, it's it's a lot easier to say no to the 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 other stuff too. Yeah. Okay. Or at least manage it. Well, exactly. You get you, that one. We see a lot of um, in the artist management world. Because there's this, there's this thing, and it's, it's in North America, it's in Australia, it's everywhere. There's this thing where it's like, you don't get your break because the record doesn't like it. And your music, your radio, you don't have the kind of, it's all these things. I'm like, no. Yeah, you, it's romanticized. You don't put the reps in. You don't practice enough. You don't have a show. You don't stay. Like, there's all these things that the actual individual can actually do that they just aren't willing to accept ownership on. I like that. Actually do. Yeah. Seriously. Listen to what he just said. Rewind, rewind, rewind the, rewind this podcast and listen to what he said. If you, if you buy into that story, you're fucked. Totally. 
There, I said it. Absolutely. And it's so easy. It's so easy to do that. Yeah. It's so easy to do that. Well, it also doesn't like, cause again, another part of another segment of the, um, the, the listening audience here are coaches like me. And it's very easy for us to go, Oh, I didn't get that said client because they didn't have money or they just don't want it bad enough or all these things. Never mind their process was shit. Never mind that they didn't close the deal and they said something maybe that they they were going to get back to them two days later and they didn't. Never mind that ownership that might have, you know, made that little, oh, something's up in that person's head. And that's why you didn't close that client down. Or maybe that's why you're not working with these people. There's just all these stories and a total lack of ownership in what I see after going through the vocabulary course. I was there. I can speak from experience. I had a hundred of these lined up, ready to go. Me that too. was my ammo. Me too. It was on my hip. I was ready. You know what I mean? I was ready to go. I was firing all cylinders. I'm ready. I've got all of the excuses loaded. And they were they were great. I could polished. Polished. Exactly. Soft talk acknowledged. I could probably have written a book on that. And I might still, <laughs> you know what I mean? Do do it. It's, it's the excuses that I used that were like really stopping me from, I hate the word, but potential. Like the, oh yeah. Actually where I am now is closer to where I should have been four years ago. But I was in my own way with all this like, oh, it's all damn bad. Oh, <laughs> Dude, it's worse, I, I, it's I've lived through. it too. I lived it too. It, it almost got me. Like it almost got me, got me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can, yeah. I, Let, let's, 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 projection acknowledged. I almost got me, got me. There you go, right? <laughs> well, and coming from the athletic mindset, so much of it is there. And, and you and I both share that too with speed skating. Um, that was one of the reasons I got into the sport is because there was nobody else to blame. Right? I, right. I had me versus the ice versus the clock. Cool. Can't blame the coach for you skating shitty, right? Likewise, you can't blame the coach for you taking a foot to the face, right? It's like <laughs> you're in the way or you're not. <laughs> you didn't get your arm up, right? It's like that's when it comes down to it, eliminate all the bullshit and take ownership for your damn self. You'll be so glad that you did. Like seriously, your life, I, where, wherever you are, people, where, whatever you're dealing with right now, you can make improvements. And, and uh, what I will never binary negation acknowledge that's a vocabulary inside joke <laughs> or for people that have taken the course keyword, never, I'll never say vocabulary is easy. I'll always say that it's challenging and I, cause it is, it's hard. It is a hardcore path. It is a ruthless practice mm-hmm. and it is it is extremely, exceedingly valuable. Right. You'll give yourself so much more of a wonderful life. You'll give your family so much more of a wonderful life by getting your story under control and your words under control. And when you, most people that are control freaks, okay, that's because their story is so out of control. They externalized, they, they, they're just, they're going, they're grasping whatever they can. It's, yeah. it's an inside job. Screw 9-11. This is the real inside job. 
Right. Yeah. Nicely put. That's that's how that's how much gravity there is in in your own internal dialogue. I I know that from experience, and it's taken my own work and then people that, like you said, having those five people around you that really help level up. I'd consider you in that circle for sure. <laughs> it's it's just focus on the people that are doing well. Focus on what may they be doing well that you could model. Um, and that's whether you're a performer, whether you're a coach, whether you're just regular Joe looking to play in the backyard with your kids. Um, one of the biggest things my brother took away from this was uh, negations from his uh, then two-year-old just mm. running around causing a shit show. And all he was doing is spending every day. No, don't do that. This, all this negation. He was exhausted. He didn't do a damn thing. He sat. He was physically and mentally drained. And I remember you speaking about that, saying just switch up the what they can focus on. So yeah, in the backyard, I got Zane focusing on uh, what he should do. You know, maybe put those bocce balls in the basket. So instead of taking them and hurling them away from everybody, he'd bring them back in, and he was now the cleanup crew. It was awesome. <laughs> it was like we had we had employed a two year old. It was great, <laughs> dude. Yeah, seriously, language, parents' language scaffolds their children's character, their character, their, their children's identity. Parents, you'll hear them say it. Oh, I hate repeating myself so much. Okay. Yeah. Um, let's build that out. Parents hate repeating themselves so much because they're repeating themselves in negations. And it is annoying as hell to repeatedly talk about what you don't want someone to do and what they cannot keep doing. Mm-hmm. It's also to use your words, exhausting. Yeah. Guess what? Parents are going to repeat themselves. Like they're going to. Mm-hmm. Like you're going to, period. If you're mm-hmm. going to repeat yourself a lot, might as well repeat yourself in a way that is constructive and collaborative. Right. Okay. And and considerate. Yeah. yeah. And dare I say kind. Because guess what? Uh, we kids model their model parents' energy as well. And when someone is talking with negations about all the things they don't like what the kid's doing and they're pissing themselves off, then a little bit of that rubs off on the kid. It's not rocket science. Okay. I I don't have kids myself and I did teach elementary school PE for a number of years. Right. And, uh, uh, you know, you get, you, I I learned, Mm -hmm. I learned that, Oh, wait a minute. If I use my language in one way, I've got chaos. I also learned if I use my language in another way, I've got order and structure, and then they can learn. There you go. Life lessons from kindergarten cop. Boom. With a beard. <laughs> Detective John Gimbal. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm a cop, you idiot. Right? Well, wrapping things up then, I think acknowledged. Mm. I think you'd agree that uh, people can really – make a positive impact on their lives with the words that they choose. Would you go as far to say that, especially in dealing with the music industry, we see a lot of anxiety, depression, a lot of self-sabotage. Do you sure. believe that your language can be one of the avenues to, to start to correct and manage this? I know it is. It's, yeah. it's, and it's the most practical because you, you'll use it every day. Okay. We talk ourselves into states of being. 
and we talk ourselves out of states of being. It's called changing our mind. Learn how to change your mind better. All right. So then if, they, if they're equally as, say the language can go into the depression, you can really talk yourself out of being on stage and out of success. Do you believe that you can talk yourself into success or being in that dream life? That, that of course. Doing? Sure. I've done it myself. Wonderful. I've, I've talked myself onto stages and I continue to do so. Right. Uh, uh, I, I talked myself onto this podcast. <laughs> did. So did, so did you. Yeah. So did the, so did everybody, everybody that li- is listening to this podcast, talk themselves into listening to this podcast. Right. You could have gone and done anything. You could be, you could, you could have talked yourself into watching the bad news because it's not the news. No. It's the bad news. Yeah. Oh, I, I, I'm going to go watch the news. No, you're not. You're going to wa- You're watching the bad news. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So then, I guess as a segue, what is the next uh, the next dream or the next success for you? What are you talking yourself into yourself right now? The le- the the most recent goal that I've set for myself is to certify 1,000 coaches by my hand. Perfect. And and it's it's 10 coaches at a, at per cert, so that's hundred certs, um, 10 a year for the next decade. Right. That's my 2020 right there. That's, that's perfect. We didn't even really yeah. get right into that. That's not, that's within lifted, right? Cause I know we haven't mentioned that. Is that in lifted? Is it's, it's, category? it's in lifted. It's vocabulary. It's the language conversation. All right. So um, doing your thing and, and certifying people to, to be able to better manage their, their shit. Right. hundred percent. It's, it's my favorite thing to do Yeah. that and that and coach people on, on public speaking teach this stuff and then get people on stage, turn them into monsters on stage. That's rad. That's the dream, eh? Perfect. Yeah. Well then yeah. on that note, being that this is a music podcast, what's the dream band? If you could put anybody together, put a lineup together, who who would you go see? That's a that's a good question. Um dead, alive, doesn't matter. Put your dream band together or concert. I'd like to go see Led Zeppelin. I'd like to go see Led Zeppelin their height. Yes. I'd like to go see Led Zeppelin at their height in Wembley Stadium. Oh man. That's there you go. I I've got to assume that you've seen the the Zepp DVD, the the whole concert footage and everything. Like pre pre seventy two, pre seventy three. That's when they sort of started to go. <laughs> I think they were early early seventies. They were just like, oh man, uh, that's that's the band. Picture perfect. Yeah, it was it was insane, right? Um, wow, man, that's uh, that's fantastic. Is it uh, is it the Robert Plant thing? Is it? Uh, what a performer. You seen him talk? What what performer? Per, yeah, yeah, plant and in, in his interviews. Oh, right, right. Yeah, so yeah. Yeah, so those just something about the chemistry. Right. Yeah. No, I hear you. Um to uh to wrap things up as the show is titled The Dose. I do like to close with what would put your uh, doctor hat on Mr. England? What on earth would your uh, prescription for success look like for the fine listeners of this wonderful little podcast? Get yourself a mentor. Get, 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 get a mentor and be a good mentee. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
uh, stay focused on what matters to you. And, and, and hang around with people that, that make you feel good about yourself and want to see you succeed, regardless of what happens with them. Those are your friends. Okay. And work. do the reps. Yeah. Yeah, the yep. reps. So much of it comes and, 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 phlo- and floss. Yeah. <laughs> floss. Floss, do the reps. Make sure you're uh, foam rolling too. <laughs> you know? yeah. That's the yeah, stretch out those stretch, stretch out those IT bands, folks. Perfect. All right. Well, if people want to get in touch with you, what's the best way of doing it? I've done the course. I've done core language upgrade. I can link uh, in the show here. It's going to be all over the the new website as well here. We are musicfit.com. We're going to have some links for your stuff, but what's the best way to connect with you if they want to want to get in on being part of your dream for 2020 here and want to get some coaching certification? Instagram, Mark England, 2020. On Instagram, interestingly enough. Uh, yeah, message me and, and follow me on Instagram too. I've turned that account into a free language training school with a slice of entertainment. Oh, dude, it's so good. Yeah, I, I head over there. It's one of those notification ones. So every time I get a little post, I'm like, ah, I like that one. That's great. So yeah, no, it's, it's brilliant. What you're doing out there, man, is um, it's, it's simple, but... I believe people think it's too simple that they can't integrate it into their life because they don't even really recognize half the time that they're doing it. Right. So I think that's where your ingenious really shows is that you can uncover the simplest things and make a a complete revolution in people's lives. And you've done so for me. So I really, really appreciate that. Thank you. Very grateful for our friendship and our, uh, and our professional working friendship as well. This is uh, likewise, buddy. Yeah. So I can't wait to get into the unlifted thing. I think we should uh, save that for, for another time because we've got, um, we've got, like I said, we've got coaches that listen to this too. And I think that uh, what you're doing with unlifted is taking the, uh, the vocabulary and really, really putting it on steroids, so to speak with, with regards to fixing a lot of the, the bad habits us coaches have. And <laughs> lift and lifted is, is a PED yeah. one you'll yeah. never get popped for. You'll never piss hot for this PED performance enhancing discussions. Oh man, the bangers. Look at this. And you can expect from what I understand in the curriculum, you can expect more bangers like that. It's like a comedy truth. Dude, well. it's money. hilarious. We put skits in there. Hey, wow. how about this? I'll, I'll, I'll gift you, I'll gift you a course and oh. then Dude. have me back. That, that I, I cannot wait. I would, I would love that. I would absolutely. Okay. Dude, all right. You look at you, Mark England. There we go, ladies and gentlemen. This man right here. No, and and you and Mike. I I still I feel that that's gonna be that's gonna be a big day for me too when I get to to speak to Bledsoe. I'd be uh, I want to see I want to pick his brain, man. He got me into some weird ass music. Warduna, I think, is what it's called. Do you guys listen? Yep. To lifting. Holy hell! He got me into that. <laughs> I was like, this is the weirdest shit I've ever heard. And and I'm going to link that too, just for the folks that are, I was not ready for that. I was sitting down going like, okay, I'll start studying to this. Now I'm lifting to it. I'm studying to it. I'm reading to it. Hell, I'll, I'll cook dinner to it. It's just, it's so batshit crazy. I love it. It's like Icelandic, um, Norse. I don't even know. How would you describe it? 
pure entertainment. I'm eating a cookie. <laughs> I was gonna say you can have cookies now, hey? <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, congratulations. No more olives for this man. <laughs> no, I'm done. I lived to All tell right, the tale. Yeah. Any That's final sweet. uh any final words for, for anybody here? Are we we good? I think I'm good. I love nope, it. I'm done. I'm I'm done. Well, you have yourself a magical rest of the day and Merry freaking Christmas. Happy non-denominational uh, holiday to you. <laughs> All of it. All of it. And uh, we'll catch up again soon here. And I, I look forward to, to working through this. Course. That's, that's amazing. So work through that. Let some people know how dope that shit is. And we'll go from there. Cool? I'm going to get another call. <laughs> All right, man, you, uh, <laughs> you're an absolute gem. Thank you so much for your time, Mark, and we'll, uh, we'll talk to you again soon, okay? Later, Mike. Bye-bye. Big thanks to Mark England. Thank you so much for spending some time with me over the holidays, my man. Always a treat listening to your wonderful insight. If you guys dug it, hopefully you got something out of it, um, please be sure to subscribe on whatever platform you listen to podcasts on. Uh, and definitely head over to my Instagram for more info on fitness, fuel, and creativity. You can find me at the Doc Rockter. That is T H E D O C R O C K T O R. And again, bringing you a bunch of content all in the world of fitness, fuel, and creativity to help elevate your game and max your performance. All right, and until next time, folks, stay sweet. Peace. Can't commit and you can't just sit